Why you got to laugh for? Like ruining my editing. Nah, you're doing like a little, you're doing faces. You're doing faces. Or you're giving me extra work in my editing process. Man, you always get it done in like eight minutes. You you need the extra work. <laughs> <laughs> no, I was actually like, um, I was thinking about getting somebody to do that. Like, you know, um, find somebody on Fiverr or what are the other ones? Upwork. Uh, Airtasker? Airtasker. Really? Yeah. Really? I have no idea. Can you find people on Airtasker? Nah, I've never hired a person before. I've got a friend that actually works at Airtasker and he actually said, hey, maybe I could um, get you some graphic design work on Airtasker. I was like, really? I, thought, I didn't know that Airtasker does that kind of stuff. I thought it was like, help me move my house and <laughs> help me help yeah, me install stuff. I don't know. It'd be the app, wouldn't it? Like she would be getting you to to do work for the app, I, I assume. I guess so. I don't know how it works. Would you take that? Like, are you are you into like sort of big corporate gigs, or you you love it all small? Oh no 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 no! Like, what I mean is like, I would become a person that some that somebody searches for a graphic designer on Airtasker. Oh yeah. right, I thought you like they're gonna get you to do work on Airtasker. Okay, yeah, no, I'm, I'm with you now. Um, yeah. yeah, I reckon you can do everything on Airtasker. Yeah, I don't even know what was that. I thought it was like, ah, oh, I need a cleaner for two hours. Hey, should we look up some stuff? I want to look up some stuff. <laughs> I don't want to waste time, but I need to know now. You're wasting my time. You're wasting my intro. This is like where it gets hype, hype. Oh, they've got new. They've got a new font now. Airtasker, by the way. <laughs> Wait, okay. Look at this: painting, business, and admin. So you can do accounting and tax returns, marketing and design. Okay. They've actually got a box called something else. <laughs> Removalist, home cleaning, deliveries. Damn, Maybe that's the category that I go under. Or something else. No, no, no it's marketing and design. Help with oh. website. It was very mm. specific. Maybe he's the one that put that in there. <laughs> Damn. <laughs> Pretty interesting, yeah. It's crazy. Like help. Yeah, yeah. This is you know. It makes me want to do stuff like this, but at the same time, I don't know. I'm I'm, I'm hesitant with this kind of stuff for some reason. You know what I'm hesitant about is I kind of forgot how we do this podcast. It's been so long. It's been ages, and I think, I don't know if the background music lasts this long, normally. <laughs> no, it doesn't. But it sounds pretty good, though, eh? No, I ne- I've never heard this part of it. It gets, like, really, uh, sort of, I don't know, electric- Jimi Hendrix-y with the, with the guitar. This is true. This is the Legit Cool Podcast, folks. Welcome. My name is River, and this is... Omi, Tony, hello. <laughs> I thought you were going to say Legit Cool again. <laughs> nah, too many legits, too many legit calls in a legit call episode. Um, man, good to have you back on the podcast, and actually, good to have both of us back. I guess uh, I, I assumed you were always here, but yeah, that's no, good to be back, man. It's been a long time. We've had the entire break off, um, and then we were very lax about um, getting this time back together. We were we took the longest Christmas break ever for a podcast. Is that true? I'm sure there are some that like just don't come back after Christmas, right? Like just they they just died. I think that's what you call giving up on a podcast. Yeah, so you'd have to assume that that um, break is infinite, and thus we can never be longer than that. <laughs> sure. You know what I mean, man? I just because like, the thing is, 
I always want to be like, you know, doing great in a shitty division. This <clears throat> <laughs> is part of that in the podcast world. We're in the shitty division. We're in like what? The championship league or something? Yeah, but like that's the thing. There's, there's some podcasts never make it back. Like, you know, some teams get relegated, they never come back. So you can always say, oh, well, our break was shorter than that. Uh, rest assured, we are here to stay. This is going to be a podcast that exists forever into eternity. Nice. And mm. like the Bantams. You'd like sort of hand it down to your kid. Mm-hmm. They hand it down. Like the, you yeah. know. And then I travel back in time, like from my death. Wait, why? <laughs> Because I just can't. Because the technology will be so advanced by by then. See, I don't know if they'll ever do time travel. I, I, I've I've always wondered. I don't think it. I can't imagine how it works. Yeah. Yeah. You think time travel is like too impossible? Too impossible. It's too far for me. Are you some kind of expert in quantum mechanics? I'm an expert in watching sort of whimsical time travel films, mm. like Back to the Future. I mean that that. I mean, Back to the Future has has like a pretty good logic, though, does it? Oh yeah, no, no, wait, it does. It doesn't actually. No, 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 none, no. none of it freaks out. I don't think. Right. Back to the Future is the one that I disagree on. Why? What do you mean? The time travel. One. The different no, like, but, branching off path. You don't like that yeah, concept. No, it, yeah, isn't the isn't the concept like um, Marty McFly dies in the future? Oh no, he dies in the future and then he gets a race in the past or something like that, or he gets a race in the yeah, yeah like his parents don't i mean spoiler alert for back to the future one i guess but if his parents don't get together he doesn't get born and so mm. he needs to make sure they get together and he starts fading yeah, yeah that's the time travel i don't agree with what part of that oh you think it's like not as uh sort of gradual i think if you have branches then you have different versions of that person yeah, but I mean, like, his version is the one that's disappearing, right? Mm. But if you kill Marty McFly now... In the past? In the past, then he's not yeah. going to exist in the future, or vice versa. No, like but if, like, you, if you kill him in the future, then he won't exist in the past. Wouldn't you say that his personal timeline is constant? Like, he is 27 years old or something, yeah, and then yeah, he goes yeah, back. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's constant, yeah, but I don't agree with that time that time travel. Oh, okay, which one's yours? I don't is like if you travel back in time and you alter time, it creates a branch and it doesn't actually affect the future self that you traveled from. Ah, oh, right. You're saying that it creates a branch and then when he goes back to the future, it would be back to the original branch and not yeah. the branch that he affected. Yeah. Right. Like, oh, in a way, okay. In a way. I think I know what you mean. Like oh. you're saying that like there's no like sort of one true branch because he keeps changing branches. And mm. the one true branch is is sort of shifting. Yeah, okay, I'm with you on... Actually, no, no, I'm still with Marty. I, I think there's always <laughs> a one true branch. Because, like, you know, they can always go back further to change mm-hmm. the branches. But, like, mm-hmm. once a branch has been set, they can't go forward and then change it. I think mm-hmm. that checks out. I don't know. Sure. Maybe logically it does, but... Although you can't apply logic to something that's completely fake. <laughs> I mean, yeah. I, I mean, I don't. I don't think it's ever going to happen. So, <laughs> yeah, exactly. I, I, I don't know. Like, I think there is, there's, there's certain possibilities. You know, there's a lot of people that, <clears throat> that actually, um, theorize. You know, like Kip Thorne is actually a person that theorizes about time travel. Oh damn! Um, and he's a pretty hardcore physicist. I, I hear <laughs> from my fellow. 
disappears. <laughs> See, I'd, I'd be the I worst guy to go back. I'd just be like, okay, take me back to like 20, I don't know, the year Lester one. Yeah. <laughs> take me back to when I was five years old and turn me into Tiger Woods. Would you be able to put the effort in to do that though? Like, I, I feel like. I don't know. It's, it's a funny one, eh? When you think about time travel, you think about all the things that you could have done in the past and now you can change it. It's like, I don't think it's that simple. I think you can change something, but it doesn't, doesn't mean it, um, it voids you of the opportunity to work hard, you know? Like, I think you still have to work hard. And you still yeah, have to put in that, that's effort. kind of the thought process too. Like, a lot of people are like, oh, would you go back in time and, and still have your memories? And I'm like, ah. Like, you know, if I go back, I'm like, oh, yeah, I want to be like, I would have the sort of presence of mind to know what hard work is and, and go mm-hmm. back and do it. But at the same time, it would still be tough. You'd still have those temptations to do, like, other stuff. And That's so right. I reckon the wheels would fall off by around 14 and I'd just be the same shit guy. <laughs> I reckon. <laughs> by the time you get to 18, you're like, yeah. yeah I, I reckon it would just go like largely the same, maybe a little bit worse even. Uh, go out with the boys, go for another drink or something. Yeah. Like and then like, like, either like, oh, your Bitcoin exists now. And I'm like, oh, what's that? Oh, whatever. Just like. <laughs> <laughs> whatever. It's going to fail in the, in the future anyway. I just came from there. <laughs> yeah. What do you mean? Still doing well. What do you mean? Uh, it's true. It's true. Anyway. Um. Anyway, glass onion. Ooh, glass onion. The I'm gritty. so happy that there is a title on these things because people would not have known for nine mm. minutes otherwise, which is pretty awful for our standards. They probably would have dropped off by now. They're like, they're not, they're not even reviewing glass onion. They haven't even mentioned the word or the movie. Um. But welcome, folks, to the Legit Cool Podcast. We are about to review. Glass Onion, the sequel to Knives Out. Love Knives Out. Um, obviously, previous episode that we, re- well, the last episode that we recorded was Knives Out. It's, wow, you haven't done anything? I haven't done anything since then. It was like 20, well, it was like 22nd or I think it was like the 20th of November when we released that. Damn, so, like, <laughs> I can see why I don't show up that much, but you should show up more often. I feel like. This is true. It was a pretty rough couple of months of intense work. So, uh, um, but hey, we're back. Um, that's the important part. We're back, and we're reviewing the sequel to our previous episode, Glass Onion, directed by Rian Johnson again, and written by him again. Solos, you know, this is his whole project. This is like his uh, dream project, you could say. Maybe it's not. I don't know. I think I'm putting words into his mouth. But uh, one would think, one would believe that it's his dream project, seeing as he's directed and written both of them independently. Um, uh, same music composer, which was his cousin, Nathan Johnson. Um, I'm looking him up now just to understand, like, is he a Nepo baby or is he? <laughs> <laughs> like, hey, cuz, give me a job. I'm not doing well. I know. Eh? Man, I'm sick of stacking jobs, man. Give me a job. Um, Daniel Craig is back as Benoit Blanc, and we have a lot of new cast members. This was actually the interesting thing, is that when he introduced – well, introduced – when he – announced that he was going to do a sequel to Gla- to Knives Out called Glass Onion. Um, I was surprised that he was going to bring a whole new cast back. I thought it might have just capitalized on that family and then we got maybe we get to see the development um, of that family, what happens after um, Old Mate inherits everything. I can't remember yep. her name. Um, uh, the one I from Paraguay. <laughs> The I one from Uruguay, Paraguay, and uh, what else? What is the Ecuador, other country? I think. Yeah, Ecuador. Ecuador. <laughs> it was actually kind of interesting. I feel like 
I was going to say a statement that I'm actually not 100% sure on, because I know it's, like, based on the old Agatha Christie novels, and I was oh, about to it? say, like... Really? I mean, like, you know, it's, like, meant to be... Not, it's not like, it's actually based on them, sorry. I mean, like, the, the, the premise is, like, trying to take those old mystery things and make it a new age. Mm-hmm. But I okay. was going to say, oh, but those ones, there's always a new cast. And I'm actually not 100% sure if that's true. Oh. Okay. I actually think it's not true. That seems like a question for the bookworms. Yeah. For the for the audience out there, because I, I know I was watching. I've only seen Death of the Nile. I haven't seen the the, the train one or any of the other ones. But I the do know in that one, Murder on Express. Something. Express, yeah. Express, yeah. I actually I watched like twenty minutes of it, and I had to go somewhere. I, I was like an emergency or something. I had to go somewhere, and I never actually returned to it. Oh damn! <laughs> must not have been good. It wasn't a good start. It was a, it was a rough start to the film. Um, yeah. I wanted I wanted it to be good. You know, we had Johnny Depp in it. We had um. Uh, the lady from James Bond. What's her name? <laughs> the um, old lady that plays um M in James Bond. Oh crap! I, I can see it? a face. I can see a face. The old great. Oh, Judy Dench. Ah, damn. We're gonna get lambasted for not knowing that. <laughs> She's pretty popular actress. Yeah. Um. Anyway, continue with the cast of Glass Onion. Uh, did I say Edward Norton? Yep, Edward Norton's in this. Uh, followed by Kate Hudson, De Bautista, Janelle Monet, Catherine Hahn. Leslie Odom Jr., Jessica Henwick, Madeline Klein, Noah Segan, Jackie Hoffman, Dallas Roberts, Ethan Hawke, Hugh Grant, Stephen Sondheim, uh, Natasha Leon, Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, and Serena Williams. I don't know why I put Serena Williams there because she shows up for like two seconds and says yeah. hello. Does Kareem <laughs> show up for that long? Like, I'm yeah, not, I'm yeah, a lot of names here that I don't. Like, I, I think Kareem, they are, but I don't know. Yeah, I think Kareem and Serene, Serena just show up for like a couple of seconds. They're just, they're just um, fun cameos. Yeah, fun cameos. I mean, Serena's cameo was pretty funny. That was great, like, yeah. Are you guys going to do a lesson or what? <laughs> what does Natasha Leon do? I don't have no idea who that is. Isn't she's in the, um, the, oh, she's in the new TV show on netflix right now oh that one she's got yeah. ads all over the place and i have no idea what the show is but i know it's from the knives out director so he must have like brought her along for a couple of things hey sidetrack here's another sidetrack sorry listener um by the way i'm watching this really cool uh documentary i guess mm. like a reality tv show not documentary reality tv show um by that famous instagram chocolatier guy you know the guy i'm talking about amari whatever the french uh pastry genius uh chocolate genius i feel sad about this but i don't like sweets are not my thing oh <gasps> i thought of all people you would know this being such a big food person yeah no, i'm all about meat man i'm disappointed it's, it's all savory for me but <laughs> what's it called i'll watch it i am interested um yeah the series is called school of chocolate which okay. makes sense i guess because like this guy um amari or i can't pronounce his name it's a french name obviously um Super famous on social media. He's got like tens of millions of followers. Nice. And he became famous for sculpting these insane, insane like uh, molds and sculptures, you know, like that look incredible. Like out of they chocolate? Look, yeah, out of chocolate, yeah. Yeah. Nice and it, it doesn't even look like chocolate. Like it looks like an illusion. Like it just looks like a sculpture. <laughs> oh, it's like those all like is it cake type things. Yeah, kind of like that. The, yeah. uh, you know, there's a lot of those. Like, um, uh, somebody will make like a whole computer disc, and it's food. Yeah, um, I love that. Yeah, but but his one's just chocolate. 
Um, it's impressive what he comes up with. I think it's better with chocolate because I know with those cakes, like it's always like a lot of fondant, and like fondant's pretty much like clay more or less. So like it's sort of less impressive. Whereas right. if it's just straight up chocolate, it's like I think way more impressive. Yeah, it's pretty cool. He's massive following and watching this reality TV show. It's it's a chef. It's a pastry chef competition. You know, they have to invent all these different sculptures based on the concepts that he's already done and he's the one that's judging them. And I actually am learning a lot about chocolate. <laughs> Man, fun fact, tempering chocolate is tempering. terrible and I hate it. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, I'm learning a lot about tempering and like temperatures and yeah. like tempering is I remember I, but, I tempered um, chocolate once as part of like a class and I couldn't get it right and it was like I couldn't I don't know couldn't get it cold enough it wasn't shiny. I don't know. I felt like right. uh, a failure. It looked it looks pretty hard. Yeah. <laughs> Well, it's hard for me. <laughs> Let alone making a spaceship out of it, you know what I mean? It's like, yeah, I didn't even get past, like, level one. <laughs> nice. Um, Glass Onion has a runtime of two hours and 20 minutes. That's 10 minutes longer than the previous. Um, same budget, $40 million. However, it's got a measly box office intake of $15 million. Now, that's not a real reflection of the, the performance of the uh, – the quality of the film, I, su- I should say, because – they did a short release. It was only like four weeks in the cinema, and then they put it onto Netflix because I think Netflix uh, produced. Oh, so we went to the cinema at all? Okay, I'm, I'm genuinely surprised at that. I thought it'd just be like a straight up Netflix thing. No, yeah, it went to cinema for four weeks. This was worldwide, um, and I actually wanted to go see it at the cinema, but then I just missed out on it. Oh, that mm. was me getting into the intense work regime over the last few months, and um, then yeah, released on Netflix on the 23rd of December with a Rotten Tomatoes score of 92% from the critics and 92% from the audience. Now, do you agree with that, sir? Uh, I mean, Benoit Blanc. Personally, no, but I, I'm happy when the audience and the critic scores are the same. That's kind of cool. Did you, did you uh, I, can't, I can't remember, what, what did you rate Knives of Snow? Did you, you rate it? Knives of one. I think I gave it yeah. like an eight or an 8.5 i think like i liked knives out one a lot but i was kind of um weak i had a weak stomach for it because i, I felt like the That's tension right. a little bit too much i was worried for the anna de armas character who who's whose name i can't recall that's right i remember this <laughs> yeah so I, I genuinely enjoyed it a lot but i kind of had to dock points for the way i felt th- throughout the film excellent and a little reminder that Tony doesn't do well on horror films or anything slightly, even, even with a needle. If, even if it has a needle with a no, with like needle, a I'm okay. Drop, like, drop of blood, he's like going to squirm. I think like stabbings get me, shootings are okay, you know? So I, <laughs> I hope I explain my, my score well <clears throat> enough that you have the context to take away from what you will. But yeah, like, you know, Please. in that scene in um, Saving Private Ryan, where like the knife is just like, oh, yeah. Uh, yeah, I can't handle that. So Wait, awful scene. Out of all the scenes in Saving Private Ryan, you, you go to that one. What about the opening scene? Oh, the opening scene's worse, but I, you know it's coming in that one. <laughs> well, you, get, you know you it's coming, but it's, it's, the pretty, it's pretty devastating. Like, you, you know it's coming, but it's pretty devastating. Like, the way it unfolds, you don't expect the way it unfolds that. that. I think I heard about the opening scene being crazy, so I was, like, prepared yeah. for it. Yeah, yeah, I think that's probably what it was. Anyway. Anyway, um, Glass Onion, the consensus is that A Knives Out Mystery brings back Benoit Blanc for another wildly entertaining mystery rounded out by an outstanding ensemble cast. Um, yeah, I kind of agree with that. I don't fully want to commit my agreement to that, but I kind of agree with it. Um, I don't think the cast is as as outstanding as uh, Knives Out, that's for sure. I feel like their stories were weaker. 
I mean, I don't know how much I want to delve yeah. into this without the the recap, but like, uh, I, I mean, I'm going to compare it to the first one pretty often. Yeah. I think that's just sort of, you know, par for the course when it comes to um, reviewing a sequel. But yeah. I felt like in the first one, they all had distinct characters. They all had distinct motives. Whereas in this one, I, I genuinely did not suspect half of them for the entire mm-hmm. film. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah. And I didn't know why half of them were there outside of the fact they were, they were comedic. I'd have to agree with you there, Tony. Yes. I'd have to agree. <laughs> uh, so let's just talk about the plot here. Um, the plot, according to Rotten Tomatoes, is Benoit Blanc returns to peel back the layers in new Rian Donson. Who done it? The fresh adventure finds the intrepid, 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 intrepid detective at a lavish private estate on a Greek island. I don't even know. Did they even say it was on a Greek island? Um, it was on a oh, wait, yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't know if they say Greece. No, but they're speaking a language. If you were Greek, perhaps you would have known. Hmm. I don't even remember that part where he said it's a Greek island. <clears throat> anyway, but how and why he comes to be there is the only first of many puzzles. Blanc soon meets a distinct, a distinctly disparate uh, group of friends gathering at the invitation of billionaire Miles Bronn that's played by Edward Norton, for their yearly reunion. Among those, I feel like I didn't even know that it was a yearly reunion. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I'm, sh- I'm sure it's been a long time since we both saw this film. I'm sure it's in there. Mm. I feel like I haven't seen it now after reading this. <laughs> <laughs> um, among these on the guest list are Miles' former business partner, Andy Brand, current Connecticut Governor Claire DeBella, cutting-edge scientist Lionel Toussaint, fashion designer and former model Birdie J, and her conscientious assistant Peg, an influencer Duke Cody and his sidekick girlfriend Whiskey. As in all the best murder mysteries, each character harbors their own secrets, lies, and motivations. When someone turns up dead, everyone is a suspect. So pretty classic um, murder mystery. This is probably like, a much more classic murder mystery, uh, let's say, framework compared to Knives Out. Um, yeah. Because the mysteries in Knives Out sort of, they pile on top of each other and they take a lot of different turns and they don't really give you anything other than a um, left turn, you know, because they tell us, like, who the murderer is right at the beginning of the, the film. Yeah, so I, um, yeah. And then this one was more classic murder mystery, I feel. I agree with that. I think that this one tried to do that trope again halfway through. Um, mm. Probably middle of Act 2, we'll get to it. But um, I think the first one was a little bit, I don't want to say better, but um, yeah, the first one like definitely like sort of turned the trope sideways by telling you who the killer was at the start. And then you're trying to figure out, can she get away with it? And then it actually turns out, oh, no, there actually was a murder plot in amongst all of everything that happened. Like they kind of shove <laughs> one at the end, right? Which I thought was kind of mm-hmm. cool as well. Yeah. 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 Yeah, yeah. Pretty classic, um, which I kind of liked. Uh, I didn't um, – I, I, th- I think going into this, I'm just going to get into my first impression. Sorry. Yeah, sure. <laughs> um, some key highlights, low lights, performances, direction is kind of how we do our first impressions. So I want to start off by saying – I naturally, and this is kind of just a natural thing that we all do, right? Every time there's a sequel, we have a set of expectations, which I don't think is a bad thing. It's a good thing because we're applying 
pressure on the film to do well and to do better than its predecessor. And knowing that, um, it fell short a little bit for me because I wanted it to be better than Knives Out, as, as seemingly impossible that might be because Knives Out was so good, at least in my opinion, was really, really good. Um, I wanted it to do better. I I still had fun with it. I still had fun with some of the characters. Definitely has still had fun with Benoit Blanc coming back, and I think he's doing what he normally does well as Benoit Blanc. I think his performance was good. Um, all the other characters, they just weren't as interesting compared to the first film characters. Like mm. Those characters just had a bit more gravitas. Gravitas. <laughs> yeah, I agree with that. What does gravitas even mean? You know, I remember hearing that from um, like a reviewer a long, long time ago. I think a reviewer from Empire Magazine, Dan Jolin, who was a guy that I used to follow for reviews. Um, he always used to use that this, that adjective gravitas. <laughs> uh, this performance has gravitas. Um, yeah, I just, I just don't think that these characters had that. Although I do love Janelle Monet in this film. Yeah, I think she's great. She's probably the most interesting because she has to play split personality, even though that's not the case. But you know, it's it's one actor playing two different um, characters. I thought she was great, and the distinction between her and her sister was just day and night. I see. Okay, okay sorry, you go. <laughs> you disagree, don't you? No, I do. I do. Oh no way! No way! You're wrong. <laughs> um i think her, her character is amazing like her, her two characters were very very distinct for me like the um the different uh she had like different intonation between the characters um she had a different delivery um and she just had a different physical performance compared to you know like side by side. i agree with that statement yeah yeah, I just think um, she did a good job, and she was the most interesting for me. Um, some lowlights, I think there's some characters in there that probably didn't need to be there, to be honest. Which seems weird, because the whole murder mystery is is so intertwined, and it's a web of people that are lying and backstabbing each other, having their own motivations to get certain things from this rich guy, Bron. Um, and you would think that... If you remove one piece from that puzzle, then it'll kind of fall apart. But I don't think so. Like I thought about it a bit more. Um, there's a couple of char- there's maybe not a couple. There's like one character in there where I'm like, ah, oh, there's think a couple. No, I mean needed to be in the film. <laughs> yeah, um, my thoughts are like Catherine Hahn, like Claire, the 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 political person doesn't really need to be mm-hmm. there. The the mm-hmm. scientist doesn't really need to be there. Um, mm-hmm. I think Kate Hudson has enough of a plot. Uh, Batista has enough of a plot. Um, mm. Yeah, but like, there's a lot of people. Oh, okay, I just said two, but two out of like what six? It's a lot, right? It's a lot. <laughs> it's a lot of characters. That's, yeah, that's my view. Because like, I think mm. you're kind of hitting it on the head where it's like it's a murder mystery. You need to have multiple people who potentially could be the suspect. But like, mm-hmm. I feel like there is not even a, a moment where I think the scientist could have done it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. N- yeah. Nor the yeah. I just. Like those characters didn't actually open up enough for you to go, yeah. There's some clues there. There's some, there's some hints that it could be that person's like, nah. It, it almost seemed pretty clear to me, like who the who the killer was. 
Yeah, it was uh, so crazy. Like, and it's and it, it's a little bit sad that it goes down that most obvious route. Like, the thing that's kind of yeah. surprising to me is that, like, whiskey, for example, um, you know, uh, Batista was the first one to to die, and she was at that point. You had seen her cheating on him with Miles Braun, and mm-hmm. then um, she is like so so sad, and I feel like they wanted me to think, oh, it could have been her. She's faking it so well, but like I just not even for a second thought it could have been her. I don't even know why that was the case. Hmm. These actors, or these characters, just didn't give enough away. Like, they didn't have enough screen time, didn't have enough um, script. (laughs) They didn't say much, actually. Yeah, and I think that's a pretty negative thing for a film that's two hours and 20 minutes long. Like, that's Mm. a... I don't understand how you can have that situation occur. Yeah, like 10 minutes longer than the previous one. Like, the previous one was just such a tight film, was sharp and tight. And this one probably took a little bit too long to get into certain things. Like an example is uh, at, uh, by the time we get the ball rolling, the film's already like 20 minutes in. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Like box for a while and there's like a lot of like comedic cameos. and Yeah. Well, there's a lot stuff. of like sitting around in the pool, having dinner, <laughs> yeah. having drinks. You know, they they really just spend a lot, like Rian just spent a lot of time for us to just hang out with these characters saying nothing contributing to the story like i just remember the pool sequence and then the sequence where they're sitting at that table you know like next to the pool and they're just talking and i guess janelle monet's character comes in and starts to like rant a little bit Mm. about why like what he's done with his company and blah blah blah. i I think they dedicate and this is probably an issue that i have with the film a little bit they dedicate a lot of time in in showing that miles braun is like kind of um, you know, you don't know if he's smart or an idiot, right? Mm-hmm. And they kind of have the, him do these rants that are like kind of smart but kind of stupid. And I feel like, what is it, Rian is, is how we pronounce the name? I don't know, yeah. Rian Johnson, Ryan Johnson. Uh, I'm going to call him Rian just, you know, for consist- consistency. But like, I feel like in this film and the last film, he does this thing where he's trying to, like, I think, Maybe, like, sort of shine a mirror back on society a little bit and, like, talk about, like, current issues a lot, right? In the first one, we had that, like, Republican right. guy who was a bit, like, silly and then had a lot of, you know, racism and stuff like that. In this one, you've got, like, this very charming guy who you don't know if he's smart or not, but he's saying, like, a lot of big words and he's sounding mm-hmm. very, like, philosophical. And I think that's just sort of, like, in – this is my assumption. Rian's eyes, it's, like, a bit of fun, but it takes a lot of screen mm-hmm. time. Mm-hmm. And then it's kind of frustrating <clears throat> where at the end they just kind of show you, oh, actually, he is an idiot. But mm-hmm. then it's like, well, you've just given him like 25 minutes to try and sort of hint at it. So <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. Anyway. And then it kind of unfolds to that commitment, really, that commitment to him being a bit of a douchebag and being yeah. just stupid. And I didn't see, I didn't understand the point of that character. Miles Braun? Like, yeah. I didn't actually I mean, understand why. He was the driver of the plot, I guess, wasn't he? Like, Well, no, no I understand like, having the character but i don't understand the like the reason why he wrote the character that way like to be this like stupid rich guy i legitimately think it was a straight like a shot at like the elon musks of the world like i think it's like because he seems to do that in these two films i don't know much of his previous work um actually i might i just don't know that it was by him but in these two previous films i think he goes out of his way to talk about current issues that are sort of like Mm plaguing society whatever you want to call it and i think this is like just rich like, people having too much power and opportunity to do stuff and, and, and really deserving it 
and that kind of thing. Which I'm all for, by the way. But if you're is- if you're right about him taking a dig at Elon Musk, I don't think that's the right person to try and do it because he's pretty smart. That guy. Yeah, but I mean, he does a lot of dumb stuff on Twitter, right? So you can kind of assume maybe he's dumb behind the scenes. You know, who knows? Don't want to get into that. But um, yeah. yeah, I mean, whatever like happens on social media, I don't think is. Um, a huge indication or example of like how the how people actually operate in the world, but especially with somebody like Elon Musk. I mean, he invented a rocket. I think there's yeah. credit there. Yeah, I don't know enough about him, but I, I that's what I took away from this film. You know, incorrect or correct? Yeah, I just don't see the point in that. Like, it just it it doesn't actually it it doesn't actually add anything great to the story if you just write a character that's just dumb with money. Like, I don't know. It just doesn't seem like. Uh, it, it seems just like a pointless character to have and, and like a poor attempt to make him interesting. <laughs> right. Yeah, I see what you're saying. I think... Because he wasn't an interesting character at all. He was just kind of boring. Like, the only interesting character see, for me was... The funny thing is, know. I was actually going to have him, Edward Norton, as one of my highlights. Like, I actually enjoyed the way he played the character and I thought he added a lot of um, sort of comedic elements to the film. Yeah, I think Edward Norton is just a good actor. I yeah. think that's probably what you're trying to say. You think the character was poor, but the acting was great. Yeah, the character was just but it was just pointless. I didn't see the point to having like this rich person being a dumb person because then by the end it sort of fights against what the story could have been. Like the story could have been a really high quality murder mystery, but then to have a character that's that's the culprit you know, eventually, like, the villain of the, yeah. <laughs> of the whole story. The antagonist, yeah. yeah you kind to of find be, that, I guess, kind of dumb. like, reasonably early on, he thrifts his way to the money, right? Like, he's not mm-hmm. ever shown to be particularly intelligent. And it's sort mm-hmm. of, like, an interesting view. Again, I am making this up, that, like, a lot of people wonder, is he a genius or is he an idiot? And a lot of people lean on the genius side, but he's proven at the end, like, just entirely idiot, right? Mm. And it's kind of interesting how having success kind of frames people's views on on your accomplishments oh, yeah. for sure because like he's like like some of the ideas at the start this is kind of funny at the start of the film where the scientist is like but he said oh, i can't even remember what it was now but he has like he has like eight terrible ideas and he's got one like n- n- nfts for babies something stupid <laughs> and it ended up making a zillion dollars or something and everyone's mm. like you can't fault the genius of miles braun so i think that part of the film I'm probably like want like a person who is a target for this kind of commentary because I kind mm. of believe it. Mm. So that, for me, that was a highlight. Um, I'm just going to jump into my stuff now. <laughs> <laughs> okay, to to respond to your views on Janelle Monae as Andy Brand, I mm. think it is impressive that she did two characters and that they were so vastly different. The thing mm. I didn't like was that her portrayal of Andy and her portrayal of Andy's sister pretending to be Andy was mm-hmm. pretty much the same, and it shouldn't have been. She's not that good an actor. Like, the sister should not have been that good an actor. You know what right. I mean? Like, you mean to be acting as her sister? Exactly. Her like sister the, acting as her sister. It, yeah, like, so when she acts as Andy in the courtroom scene, in the house scene, that mm. should have been, like, you know, her. Mm. And then on the island there should have been, like, some giveaways, some stuff. Like, it shouldn't have been, like, she's two completely different people because that's actually not what the character is. The character is a person who's not very, I'm not going to say not very intelligent, but, like, you know, she's not, like, a genius or anything, right? She's, like, a teacher somewhere. 
she shouldn't have been able to be that good at pretending to be Andy, especially when she gets angry and starts yelling, which mm. happens like three or four times. She should not have been able to keep her cool. And I felt like that was kind of a detriment to the storytelling. Mm. That's just my view. Um, yeah. I mean, I guess like <clears throat> we don't. I, we I guess find out in, pretty in, early on though. In that respect, we don't actually know much about what she can and cannot do with any of these characters. Like, I don't think there's enough time <clears throat> for them, for us to understand whether she could do that. Or she but couldn't. she delves into like, I'm just, the, I can't pretend to be her. I'm just yeah, it's all, it's all scripting. Blah, blah, blah. It's all scripting and exposition at that point because they just, because they're, they're so limited in how much screen time they're going to give these characters. It's yeah. just all exposition. It's all dialogue. It's all her just saying that she can't do it. But that's the what the character says. I, I feel like the what the character says should be treated as truth. And not to say she should be awful, just like little tells, right? Like when she first mm. gets on the boat, she's like gripping the uh, boat really hard to show that she's nervous. Mm. And we don't know what's going on. So we're like, oh, that's an interesting little thing. Maybe Andy's nervous about meeting the person who betrayed her. Mm. If you find out later that she's like letting slip like a couple of accent stuff here and there, that would just have teased out uh, a bit of the... um mystery i feel like and then when you find out halfway through the film what's actually happening it'll be like oh that's interesting mm. i knew something was a bit weird but up until then it's a complete 180 because you don't think anything's weird mm. yeah because because we don't actually get much of andy at all and like the first time that we actually get andy is when um she comes into the pool scene or just after the pool scene that's yeah. the first time that we get andy and she's, like, so cool. And, like, mm. I know in the film people comment, like, mm, Andy's a bit weird, mm, Andy's a bit different. But I don't know. Like, she didn't act different at all. I, I, no, I was right. genuinely so surprised. For you. Yeah. So that was one of the low light. Well, not, I wouldn't say it's a low light. Like, she did do a great job. I just wanted to respond to your point. That's <laughs> um, other low lights for me were, yeah, the fact that, like, a lot of people didn't seem to need to be there. The fact the ending for me was a major low light. We'll get into that mm. later, I guess. Um, performances were fine. They were good. Um, and like another highlight, I guess, is that it's a fun, whimsical film. Like it is genuinely like enjoyable. Yeah, yeah, I'd say so. It it's fun. Like you can have fun with it. You can laugh in a few bits. Um, it's mm. not nearly as funny as the first one. I don't think. I think it tries <laughs> too hard to be funny sometimes. <laughs> you know, actually, interesting. Like I, spoiler alert. I I. Don't like this film as much as the first one, but mm. the reason I didn't like the first one, where I was like feeling genuine fear for the Anna de Armas character, and I was like kind of squeamish in my seat, that didn't happen in this film for me. Like this one was just like very much like, oh, I'm on Benoit Blanc's side the whole oh, way through. It was pretty PG this one. Yeah, this yeah, one was pretty like, PG compared to the first one. Like I just wasn't worried about anything because I didn't care about anyone. Hmm. <laughs> Which is probably <laughs> a bad way to say it. It's probably but, not a good thing. I mean, not caring about the characters as much. Yeah, but I was just like genuinely like, oh, you know what? Anyone can be the the suspect, and I don't mind. And that <laughs> made it like a much more fun viewing for me. Yeah, nice. Um, well, shall we get into this recap? This yeah, gigantic, we should. <laughs> this gigantic recap. Well, we're just gonna fly through it. You know, we'll we'll pick up points and um, we'll linger on some points that seem more important than others, and then we'll just kind of swiftly move past other things that don't. We are bad at this. So I'm gonna try real hard this time. <laughs> oh transition nice so um <clears throat> oops i'm typing oopsie 
So, Act 1. Uh, for those of you who don't know what a recap is, if it's your first time here listening to the podcast, like 40 minutes and now explaining it, um, <laughs> we're just going to go through three acts, which is just the three-act classic structure of a film, and we're going to talk about each of these acts in some kind of detail, elaborate a little bit more on our thoughts, and we might change our opinion one way or another. Um, so, let's get into the first act. During the... COVID-19 pandemic in May 2020, Miles Brown, the billionaire co-founder of technology company Alpha, hosts a murder mystery game at the Glass Onion, his mansion on a private island in Greece. He invites five friends, Alpha head uh, scientist uh, Lionel, Governor Claire DeBella, controversial fashion designer and model Bertie J, men's rights streamer, <laughs> men's rights streamer, <laughs> Duke Cody, and Elst Alpha co-founder Cassandra, aka Andy Brand. Um, the five friends had delivered a wooden puzzle box to decipher uh, to find the invitation inside. By the way, this decipher thing was really cool. I really like this part of the film where yeah. they they were all given the box and it's um, what do you call those boxes? A Pandora box? No. Yeah, I guess so. Uh, kind of like a Pandora box, puzzly box. I don't know. <laughs> Clever puzzle box. I love it when you have these classic murder mystery uh, items or MacGuffins of some kind, right? It's pretty cool. Yeah. It's pretty fun. And although I, th- I thought it was a little bit too convenient and easy for a sign for the scientist to like figure it out straight away, you know? <laughs> he's a scientist, right? He is a scientist, but I was like, ah, like a bit too convenient. I think I think uh, the box was like a bit of a, a vehicle to try and just. Because the thing is, like, you know, in the um, first film, all the mm. characters, are, they exist purely as extensions of the grandfather, right? Or the father. Right. No, mm-hmm. the grandfather. No, sorry, it's their father. Well, okay. fa- father to some and then grandfather to the kids. Yeah, and I felt like their story was a lot more grounded in the sense that it's like, what's my relationship to this person? What kind of person am I? Whereas mm. in this film, all the characters are like kind of caricatures of, of people and they're all wildly different backgrounds. They're all like completely separate. So That's a good way to put it, they're caricatures. Of yeah, people. kind of. Like they're all like, oh, this is the vapid famous woman one. This is the smart one. This is the political one. Like mm-hmm. it, they're pretty much like, yeah, drawings. But I felt like this was a good way of trying to shoehorn a ton of who is this character inside like a three, four minute scene. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But considering they're so basic anyway, you probably didn't need it. Well, the, these characters, like now that he's now, now that I think of it, these characters are designed in a way for you to just understand the character straight away. Yeah. yeah. Duke Cody Which... is this guy. Uh, again, this person. It's, it's frustrating for me that that's the case because, again, mm. it's like a two-hour, 20-minute film. Like, I don't understand mm. why it feels so light when yeah. so many shortcuts were taken. <laughs> yeah. Whereas in Knives Out, it's like the opposite. We got to learn uh, through breadcrumbing yeah. uh, all these characters, which is really cool. Because, like, you know, I forget who it was. The, the husband of um, – is it Jamie Lee Curtis? I think it's Jamie Lee Curtis, right? The husband. Uh, the one who always gets, like, Ecuador wrong. Yeah, and he's, like, right. kind of racist. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I felt like his journey in that film was a brilliant one. Because mm-hmm. he seems like a genuinely nice guy for a long time. And then he, mm-hmm. you find out he cheats on his wife, and you're like, oh, what a terrible person. But he's still kind of nice. And mm-hmm. then you kind of get a little bit more of how he treated the Anna de Armas character, like, just That's garbage. Right. <laughs> um, this one didn't have any of that. Yeah. Um, 
yeah, these characters are so obvious and they're just kind of walking templates of douchebags and narcissistic people. Um, <clears throat> yeah, so the puzzle box was pretty fun. I, I really liked this whole deciphering thing. Um, yeah, cool. And I thought it was pretty interesting that the first thing that we learn about Andy is that she's just a person that seemingly, because clearly it's not Andy when we find out halfway through the film, it's just a really, really um, resentful, bitter, depressing person who has a strong connection to whoever is sending them this box. It's really kind of interesting for me in this scene because I, I took it as like, oh, is Andy kind of dumb? Like she couldn't <laughs> figure it out, but the you know the Kate Hudson character could. Um, yeah. And then so when you find well, out she, halfway through the, the Kate, film. The Kate Hudson character, didn't, she got help from the scientists. <laughs> that is true. But like. Um, and her assistant. Halfway through the film, like that scene kind of like was a cool throwback for me. I'm like, oh, that's why she couldn't solve it. Yeah. Um, but yeah, then maybe because... it's just more of the anger and the resentment. Actually, well, yeah, you know well, what? You're probably more correct because her sister had just died like a day before. Yeah, her sister apparently committed suicide, but she knew that her sister didn't commit suicide. Yeah, okay. That's actually a much more um, better take than my one. <laughs> <laughs> probably because it's the actual thing that happened. <laughs> Anyway, um, anyway <clears throat> the five travel to Miles' island along with Bertie's assistant Peg and Duke's girlfriend Whiskey. Famous detective Benoit Blanc joins them, although Miles says he did not invite Blanc. He allows Blanc to stay, assuming another guest sent him an invitation as a joke. Now, but before dinner, Miles shows off his vulnerable glass sculptures as well as the Mona Lisa, which he has on loan from the Louvre. I don't even know how to pronounce that place. The I think you got it pretty good. That was nice. Louvre? That sounded very Thanks. French. <laughs> Miles also reveals that the mansion is powered by clear. <clears throat> That's with a K. Clear with a K, a hydrogen-based alternative fuel that um, that Alpha will launch imminently, despite Lionel and Claire's concerns that it is untested and dangerous. And that is act one so it's funny thing is like about act one is that like we were saying before it takes so long for this film to start building momentum yeah i just think i i'm i thought it might have been 25 minutes but i actually think it's like half an hour of us it's more like doing nothing like we meet the characters the only interesting thing that happens in this act one is them deciphering the box the puzzle box and the rest of it is like them getting ready packing bags getting in the cars putting their masks on getting to the boat hanging on the boat (laughs) and then they get to the island and then they just like have this long meeting before they get into the glass on you know it's just like it's just a lot of standing around and talking (laughs) it's like that same old thing that we had that same old problem we had with uh, Rings of Power. <laughs> People I think it's, it's kind of um, a fun thing for me. Because, again, like I'm kind of the target audience for a film like this in some ways. Um, so there were some things that I kind of enjoyed. Like, one um, of the things is that, like, it it's kind of sets up the ending, right? Like, the fact that uh, he's got the Mona Lisa on loan and he wants to sort of power his mansion by clear, which is, like, sort of um, the scientist knows is dangerous. It's just trying to set up this Miles Bronn character as, like, you know, full of hubris because he's so rich and everyone respects him and loves him and thinks he's so smart, but he's actually dumb. Right. And one thing that I think this film does well is it paints that picture, but at the same time, it probably does it too well. Like you don't need this many windows into the same topic. Um, One thing that I kind of enjoyed is 
there's this sort of implication that like rich people just have the cure for COVID and they can like just give it out <laughs> to people if they want to. Oh, uh, with the um the what do you call it? That puts it in their mouth and it's like yeah, that weird like, injection, like inhaler almost. Yeah, yeah, it's like no more masks now. You guys are fine. I'm like ah, oh, that's cool because <laughs> you know I'm not a conspiracy guy, but I'm just like I yeah, that's just funny. Um, but yeah. I the thing that I kind of get annoyed at is yeah like clear the hydrogen based fuel is like the it's meant to be the motive for both the Claire and the Lionel character which mm-hmm. is cheap in my opinion you can't yep. have the same motive for two people and two it's not even that great a motive because if he releases it and it's not and it's like dangerous it doesn't affect them that badly like that's the thing like that, that's a recoverable gaff in my opinion, yeah, well, for those both people. It's, um, it's kind of lo- lazy storytelling for a character. Like, th- their whole arc is determined by this uh, clear thing. Yeah. <laughs> this clear product. And their whole arc is, is just based on that. And um, when you base something like that, uh, when, when, you, when you base something so basic of, like, for a character arc like that, and you don't actually develop an understanding for the audience to know what, clear really is about and how risky it is because mm-hmm. you know we, we only take their word for it that it's super risky we don't actually know the stakes for clear other than the fact uh, that it could blow it up yeah but, they kind of say that like they, oh, yeah but the, but it's just work. yeah my, my point is just it's just talking like we we don't we haven't seen Claire in production we haven't seen Claire like be tested in other areas to, to show how bad it is you yeah. know like it's just it's just all talking and that's what this film spends a lot of time doing is just talking and exposition which i've never i'm never one to to hate on exposition exposition has to have good reason and good grounding to tell a good story but this is just straight up dialogue all the time (laughs) yeah i I get that yeah that makes sense Um, yeah and so like act one was just kind of boring they did didn't do anything the film didn't actually get started until he explains the murder mystery game (laughs) which is like I don't know, 40 minutes into the film. Because <laughs> yeah. I, I actually, I distinctively remember looking at the runtime. I was like, wow, we're only like starting the film now. <laughs> right, yeah. I remember like, it's kind of funny. I remember like a lot of things happening during this daytime period. Like you find out uh, Whiskey's cheating on, on Batista at this time. You find mm. out um, that Miles Braun like says a lot of dumb things at this time. Mm. But you're right. It's really just sort of like really drilling into a single point, which again, doesn't need that much time. No, no, it doesn't at all. Like in, in fact, like he could have flipped the whole script and actually started the murder mystery or started like them, them getting to the Island right at the beginning. Like that could have been the start of the film. I would have yeah. much rathered um, you learn about the characters on the Island rather than beforehand mm. like that. Yeah. Because Kate Hudson's character, like, I think we're kind of just going off script now. Like, mm-hmm. she gets a lot of exposition throughout the film, and I feel like she's mm-hmm. probably one of the stronger characters as a result. Mm-hmm. Her motive yeah. is actually decent. Her motive is not terrible. Hmm. Yeah, exactly. I mean, she, she's got real stakes in her motive. You know, she's she's being manipulated, and she's being um, held ransom for something bad that she agreed to that she had no idea she was agreeing to something bad. Yeah, like she she will definitely have to be not famous anymore when yeah. this plan plays out. Like, like she's a good example of a character that's just completely dumb with a lot of power and money. Yeah, that's that's fair. Sweatshops. She's <laughs> <laughs> like, what is it? It's like the yeah, that's a good joke. There's a lot of really good comedy yeah. in this film. This is a much funnier film than the first one in my opinion oh really i think the first one's way funnier 
is it? I mean, I'm, I'm, I said that statement without thinking out loud, but like... it's pretty funny the first because the first one doesn't try to be funny, and every time a joke does come up, like a uh, a super dry winded joke, it's just so unexpected, and that's when I laugh a lot. Oh, in the first one, the Anna de Armas character being an incompetent is like a lot of the jokes, and yeah, they are very funny. Like when yeah, the dog comes back. Funny. Yeah. yeah. Okay. No, I take yeah, it back. Yeah, yeah. Like, like examples, like right at the beginning when the housemaid walks up the stairs and then finds, um, what's his name? Uh, whatever his name is, the granddad that's dead, finds him dead and she goes, oh shit. And then she, she almost like spills the coffee, but she's more concerned about spilling the coffee than, (laughs) you know, it's, it's stuff like that. That's just, I I find. I did like that she said, oh shit. Not like she didn't do the generic scream. No, she's like, oh shit. But she was responding to like her almost. Spilling the coffee. <laughs> yeah. Um, anyway, uh, let's go into Act Two. Yes. Uh, Blanc solves Miles' Miles's murder mystery game immediately and privately warns Miles that his guests have motives to kill him. I enjoyed this scene. Um, I just yeah. like whenever. When the murder mystery opens up and then he's the one that actually figures it out at the beginning. Which to me makes sense, yeah. Because it's I like, like that Blanc is shown to be smart. I know you don't have to do it again, but it's like kind of fun. And the way he did it was just kind of humorous. Yeah, yeah. And, and then I think this is where it gets more interesting because you're now thinking to yourself, it's like, oh, yeah, that's true. Benoit Blanc would be able to figure out a freaking murder mystery game yeah. <laughs> and not like a real murder mystery, you know? Like it takes some time to figure that out. Um, so like- the I was yeah, like, saying, you see, like Miles Braun get like a bit depressed about it. It was kind of funny. Yeah, just yeah. because he spent so much money on it. He spent like he says he spent like tens of thousands of dollars on a consultant or something. Yeah. Like that in <laughs> He's like, did you know how, how much I had to pay for that person to write the script or something? Yeah, I like that. That was good. He's got some comedy chops in this in this movie. Yeah, I mean that that kind of stuff's fun. Um, yeah, it's and it makes a lot of sense. But then the the mystery that becomes really, really difficult for him to solve is who's actually the person that's going to kill. Or I, I think he was thinking Miles Miles uh, Braun was going to die, but it actually ended up being Duke. Yes, you know. So, and then also, uh, what's her name? Janelle Monae's character also seemingly dies too. And uh, to be honest, that was. Too easy to figure out though. What do you mean? Like I knew she wasn't gonna die. <laughs> really? I... Yeah, that was too obvious to me. Okay, no, I, I thought she died. Oh. Cause I thought <laughs> that like you didn't care about Duke's character. Mm. Um, so I kind of assumed that he was not the the the, the primary murder. So then yeah. when she died, um I was like, oh okay, so that was just sort of like a red herring murder and he was the real murder. No, no, no. Like I, I... I totally believed that she wasn't there because we spent so much time developing the two characters. Yeah, but this movie's got like a ton of of back um, flashbacks. I thought like mm. it wouldn't be the last time we see her as a human. We just wouldn't see her timeline continue. Well, that, that was my view at least. Yeah, I mean, but she, she was the most fleshed out character compared to everybody else, though. Like we had all this backstory about her sister and all that kind of stuff. And I, no, no, we didn't know that she was a at the time that she was dying. Yeah, yeah. Like at that time, we thought she was Andy. Oh yeah, that's true. But I, I, yeah. I think I still like I, I still remember thinking, yeah, that's she's not dead. I'm pretty sure she's like the main character. <laughs> because oh, really? yeah, well, because she has this like mysterious connection that we don't know about with with Bron. Um, yeah. 
And it's so mysterious to a point where, like, like she has to be some kind of suspect or victim or whatever. She's definitely victim. involved. You just said victim. Victim of the second, yeah, the victim can die. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> but you know what but, I mean? Like, it's just like, like this character just had too much mystery around around her to kind of figure that you're just going to kill her like uh, halfway through the film. It would have been cool though, I think. Yeah, but then, and then you have you have Benoit Blanc figure it out with whoever's left. Like that would have been cool. Hmm. Yeah, true. Um, uh, so after an argument with the rest of the group, Andy storms off. Uh, Duke dies after drinking from Miles' glass and the panicked, uh, the panicked uh, group suspects Andy of what? And the panicked group suspects Andy of yeah. attempting. Oh, sorry, I keep like typing on here. Yeah, I have to move. Okay, yeah, we're back again. Um, Andy of attempting to poison Miles. The police are summoned, but will not arrive until morning. After the group discovers Duke's pistol is missing, the power goes out, and everyone splits up. In the dark, Blanc finds Andy, but an unseen assailant shoots her. Blanc gathers the group and announces that he has solved Andy's murder. Um, what did you think of this whole scene of like all the chaos happening, Duke dying? Um, we find out later that he's actually been poisoned because he's allergic to, was it pineapples? Pineapple, yeah. Yeah. Um, and then the light's going out and everybody's like freaking out. Like, what did you think of this whole thing? I thought it was fun. Um, like, I think the lights going out being part of the game is sort of like, oh, that's kind of like a fun in-universe way to sort of create mm. chaos. I and it's kind of meta as well because like it's turning into an actual meta mystery. <laughs> yeah, I, I enjoyed how that sort of thing played together. Like, he's like, oh, no, I can't stop it. The lights are going to turn off now. And then <laughs> um, he just, like, freaks out massively that's right. in that scene. And I think he does a really good job acting. I'm mm-hmm. thinking, as you were talking, I was thinking, do we find out that he was like sort of in on that? And he was right. Like he wasn't, he wasn't genuinely scared at that moment. Who, uh, the Miles Brown. Yeah. He's not like, he takes the gun at that point and he goes and hunts down. Uh, Andy. Actually, that's a good question. Well, I'm pretty sure it, it, in well, flashbacks I, it is, I guess in hindsight, because yeah, we find out that he goes and he's the one that shoots it, Andy, right? Yeah. Yeah, he gets so, the gun. So I don't know. Maybe yeah, you you'd have to just believe that he he was just um, yeah. He was it kind just of makes it worse time. knowing that he was in on it because it means like he's a really good actor. But at the time, I'm like, oh wow, this is kind of fun. Um, yeah. The thing that okay, this is a part that kind of annoyed me about this film. Um, and maybe I'll just go into both of them now. But the first one, you see, um, Benoit Blanc. He cries when Andy gets shot, right? A Mm -hmm. tear drops down his eye. And at this point, you don't know why he's so sad for her because Mm -hmm. you don't know that they're acquainted. And this is the first clue, I guess. Yeah, but then right after that scene, Mm -hmm. it it just goes straight into explaining that that history, right? So that mystery doesn't really, like, sort of ferment for very long. And then you find out, this is the part that annoyed me, is he... Like, she gets shot, and then she's like, oh, my God, I've got, like, this thing in my pocket, the book in my mm-hmm. pocket. And mm-hmm. he's like, hmm, um, no, no, pretend to be dead. They think they've shot you. He takes uh, Jeremy Renner's hot sauce, mm-hmm. pours it all over her body, and then puts it on his eyes to force himself to cry. Mm. 
But I don't understand why he did that second part, because no one knows he's close to her. So why would he have to pretend that her death was sad enough to make him cry? Mm. It bothered me for the whole film. It's true. It's actually something that I thought about when that happened. (laughs) Yeah. If he was genuinely sad and he cried, that's one thing. But you don't Mm. know why, because you don't know their relationship. Mm. You learn about their relationship, and then you find out the tears were fake. And then it makes you just wonder, why did he go to that trouble? Yeah, he's because... he's allowed to not care that much about someone he's just met. Yeah, of course, and no one knows that. Yeah, it's yeah. so weird. It was a very weird thing. I think that was Ryan Johnson's attempt of, like, his way of saying this character has history with this character clearly because they've met up before and he's been to her house and he's learned about her story. And I guess, but that's she's supposed to like. Like, if you're going to do something like that, you should let that breathe for a bit. Don't straight, like, go, oh, look at this mystery thing. Yeah, because... Explain it straight away. Yeah, well, because as far as we're concerned at this point, now that we know the history, it's like, it's just client and um, client and contractor relationship. Yeah, I guess. Yeah, yeah. Right? Like, it's that's that's all it is. They're not, like, close friends. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Yeah, so Um, it it is a little bit weird. That was one of the things that got me. The other thing, and I think... Um, actually, I'll jump into it later. Let, let, we can move on. Okay. An extended flashback shows that Andy actually died a week earlier. Bum, bum, bum. Mm. Apparently by suicide. Her twin sister, Helen, hired Blanc to investigate. At Alpha, Andy halted Claire's development because of its dangerous properties. So Miles had her removed as CEO. <clears throat> this case was aided by their friends purging... Uh, perjuring themselves to testify that Miles had single-handedly sketched out the plan for Alpha on a napkin years before. The napkin was actually Andy's work. Shortly before her death, she emailed the group a photo showing the original napkin still in her position. Helen suspects that someone in the group killed Andy and stole the napkin to protect Miles. With Andy's death not yet public, knowledge Blanc persuaded Helen to pose as Andy at Miles's party and help him investigate. So you know, all the, this whole historic backstory, mm. it's so much to cram in such a short space of time. I'm like, I, I was enjoying all this backstory, but then I was also frustrated at all this backstory. Yeah. Cause I'm like, man, we're like 40 minutes into the film and we're getting all of this now. <laughs> I understand yeah. the structure that he was going for, which was, you know, a stab, Establish some of these characters to some degree, take them to the island, introduce that this is a game that's eventually going to turn into a real version of that game, which kind of reminds you of that uh, film Game Night. Did you ever see Game Night? No, I, I, oh, I meant to. That's such a good film. It's, it's funny, very, right? It's funny. It's dark comedy. Ah, I like that. Yeah, it's funny and it's like it, it makes fun of itself as well, like being this kind of strange game it's awesome it's actually really really awesome um and i want those directors as like there was two directors a part of that i want them to make more of those films because they they're kind of the perfect people to write things like murder mysteries Mm. because game game night is kind of a murder mystery but it's it's not like a full-on classic murder mystery is that jason bateman jason bateman rachel mcadams um Hmm, uh kyle can't remember his last name Kyle or something. Anyway, it's it's so funny. It's so so funny. <laughs> I want to check that out then. So it, it kind of like uh, what I was trying to say is that 
this scene or this movie is trying to do a little bit of what game night is, which is game night is them just playing game night, like board games and all that kind of stuff. And they would play murder mystery and they never want to play murder mystery, but then their friend um, says, no, we should play murder mystery. And he hires this whole like acting team to do murder mystery, but then it turns out to be real. <laughs> oh, so it's like the game, but not, it's not the game. Cause that's it's, not real. It's the game murder mystery, but like the only person that knows that it's not, the actual game is the person that organized it and and and, and they're after him but the rest of the 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 rest of the friends they think it's still the game (laughs) right oh okay that actually sounds fun yeah it's fun it's really really fun it's a very very good time anyway so that's what they're kind of trying to do here um with this film and then this mid chunk is just so clunky it's just like so much it's just so much dumping in one spot and it's kind of like here we go. <laughs> you know what I think is kind of frustrating in that in the first film, um, and I again apologize for comparing it so much. Like, there's this moment where you get like a giant left turn, and that's that moment where you find out that the Anadiarmus character mm. killed the the dad, right? That's right. Yeah, and yeah. then like it's this moment where like the, yeah, the, the film just sort of like completely subverts itself from normal murder mystery. And mm. I think this is that moment in this film. It's it, it's the attempt. Mm-hmm. But, like, in that other film, you're just, like, saying, who's the killer? You, you know, you're doing, like, 20 minutes of who's the killer. It's like, boom, this is the killer. And you like her because she's fun and she's nice and she's innocent because you know the the method in which she killed him. Mm-hmm. And so you're rooting for her, and that's the rest of the film. Mm-hmm. Whereas in this one, um, yeah, you're just like, oh, uh, this girl that died is actually someone else because the first person actually died before and now it's like a plan and then the reason why this is, whole thing is happening is because of a court case and the court case is happening because of mm-hmm. this history and then mm-hmm. this napkin is like this red like it's this thing that's going to hold up in court for some reason even though it's mm-hmm. just like what handwriting of an idea like yeah mm-hmm. even that was kind of weird to me but like yeah, it's like seven or eight different ideas all coming together at once and yeah and it was it was it was just crammed into such a short space and i was like ah we're supposed to just digest all of that <laughs> like and then kind of move on with it like this never really has anyone like straight up explaining, but it felt like those moments in films where like, you know, the grizzled veteran explains the history. Mm-hmm. Like it's mm-hmm. not like Morpheus talking to Neo for yeah, like, yeah, 25 yeah. minutes. And there is a narrator in the background, right? Isn't it? I think Helen, maybe Helen. Is narrator? Narrator? Yeah, yeah. 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 So it was just like, it was, it was all a bit much. And I'm like, oh, this is cool, but this should have been sprinkled throughout the, the film, like at the beginning of the film. <laughs> And, and yeah. I get it because, like, you know, now we're we're learning about this left turn, which is, like, you know, uh, Andy's been dead the whole time. I was like, uh, I think that was, like, the one of the biggest problems for me for this film, just this yep. whole mid-chunk. Um, Helen helps Blanc discover motives for Miles' friends, friends to protect Miles from Andy. Lionel and Claire have staked their reputations to on Claire. Miles is financially rescuing Birdie from the fallout of employing sweatshops. <laughs> Isn't I, that like sweatpants? I enjoyed that. That was a good. I think her character is pretty fun. Well, I like how it didn't come from her. It came from her assistant saying, "Please don't tell me you thought." And then she just nods. <laughs> um, and Duke hopes Miles will give him a show on Alpha News. Helen discovers that each of the that each of Miles' friends visited Andy's home on the day she died. She searches the guests' rooms, but does not find the napkin. When Helen is shot, 
Andy's journal in her back pocket stops the bullets. Blanc fakes her death so that she can search Miles' office. This is the little cringy part that we're talking about. Um, yeah. And also, like, what was the whole deal with, like, Jeremy Renner's hot sauce? I think it's that just one just, of the many... weird things that they do. No, I, just, I think they just do a lot of, like, fun cameos. But Jeremy Renner didn't even cameo in it, though. It's just his name. Did. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I think, like, Serena Williams has a great cameo. I don't know. Like, I think I that like cameo Ethan was Ethan cool. Hawke here as Efficient Man, um, I don't remember Ethan Hawke at all. I don't remember him either. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's, it's so strange. Mm. Like, I don't know who Efficient Man is, but yeah. I don't know, but legitimately, like, I, I, I know we've talked about it, like, two or three times, but I thought, like, yeah, that Serena Williams thing was, like, when you find out that she's actually there rather than a video mm. it's just mm. a very sort of again it plays into that whole some people have way too much money type of idea mm-hmm. and it's just fun to see it this is fun yeah, yeah, yeah she's there to like run a fitness class or something <laughs> an actual private fitness class like on the peloton it looked like a peloton or whatever i don't know yeah kind of but it was, yeah um bad. one thing i kind of wanted to mention so i think i've had a friend who said that like kate hudson did a pretty bad job in this film i didn't really get that feeling i thought like her character arc was probably one of the more engaging ones and i thought she did a reasonable job of it it was Mm. a pretty vapid role which isn't really her fault i thought um batista did a good job with his character like i i've Mm. genuinely been impressed with his acting and in like a lot of his things like for a Mm. guy that's like so muscular he does not do very many um action films right um and i kind of and yeah I think at this point, like, you know, you kind of... The thing that kind of annoyed me about this part is that the entire first act of this film is kind of trying to paint um, the story that all of his friends have reasons to kill Miles, and then mm-hmm. it completely switches to all of his friends have reasons to defend Miles in a brutal way. Mm-hmm. Um, and it just... I think they were trying to, again, just sort of, like, throw us off the scent, but it, it fell flat for me because I didn't buy a lot of it. Yeah, I think it was just too paper-thin like the whole reasoning behind like, you know, wanting to like, like I, I get, I get every character's selfish and they have greed, but yeah. it's just too easy and convenient to just switch on a dime, you know, especially when they all switch at the end and be like, yeah, you, what do they all say? Like they all unanim- unanimously say you had the napkin or whatever. Well, I saw that, you know how they all come into unison and they go against right people. at the end, like on the stairs. Yeah. On the stairs. Yeah. It's like they all, because because this whole time they're all in cahoots with, with yeah. Bron, right? And they all do it for selfish reasons, and then now they just see that Bron's just not a person that they want to support, and then they just go against him. It's just like it's just too easy and convenient to do that for all these characters. Yeah, they, they flip a lot of time. I guess yeah, I think like this particular change from like wanting to kill him to wanting to protect him was just a little bit. Uh, it, it fell flat for me because. Yeah. And again, that's the reason why I think the murder mystery in general fell flat because like I legit, I did not think that there were very many suspects. Like I was mm-hmm. sort of looking at Bron the entire time and was just yeah. waiting for it to be him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just too way too easy and way too like it's kind of lazy script writing. You look at the first film, all those characters committed to being douchebags and selfish <laughs> and narcissistic, yeah. right? Like they never changed by the time it got to the end of the film. <laughs> yeah, because like, they all seem like terrible people. Whereas in this one, like it's kind of like these people are selfish but they none of them seem overtly awful like the scientist no. doesn't sound awful no uh, yeah none of them sound really awful so i just like mm. it's 
all of them are just trying to get a free lunch out of it, right? Like that's really what that is. And and I think that's just such a paper thin motivation compared to the motives that we got from the characters in the first one. Yeah. It seems Uh, so much more believable that any of those characters would murder someone. Yeah. Yeah. Cause they're all, we're a bunch of assholes. (laughs) Um, let's jump to act three. Blanc deduces that Miles committed both murders. He killed Andy after learning uh, she had the napkin, but Duke saw him leaving her house in his car. During the party, Duke saw a news reporter report of Andy's death and realizing that Miles was responsible, attempting to blackmail him. This prompted Miles to poison him with pineapple juice, to which Duke was deathly, uh, deathly allergic, and to take Duke's pistol with with which he shot Helen. Helen allocates Andy's napkin in Miles' office and reveals her identity to the group. However, Miles burns the napkin, eliminating the evidence, and his friends refuse to testify against him. <laughs> I remember noticing him burning the napkin. The visual effects had been pretty good up to this point. But then oh, him- was it bad? Yeah, when he when he burnt the napkin, it was so bad. It was almost like they ran out of money and time or something at that point. You know, it's actually kind of funny with this. Like, I felt like, I mean, first part, you know, it's all normal. Makes sense. When he burns the napkin, like, Mm. it's so funny. In other films, I'm the kind of guy to be like, why wouldn't you just burn the napkin? You know, why is he standing around talking? Just Mm. burn the napkin. That's all you have to do. And and he does exactly that. He does that in this film, and I'm just, like, mad about it. (laughs) (laughs) I don't, like, because the comeuppance, like, you know, it's sort of like a traditional storytelling, right? Like, you want, like, the villain to do villainous things, and then you want the good people to to give him his comeuppance. Mm-hmm. And it isn't very good in this film. And the ending is like, to me, the weakest part of this film. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But yeah. Yeah. Burning the napkin and then like burning the whole glass onion down. Uh, it was kind of, meh. Uh-huh. Um, Everson refused to testify against him. Blog tells Helen that he has done all he can and goes outside. In a cathartic rage, Helen destroys Miles's glass sculptures. Miles's friends watch her and eventually join in. This is when it gets like even way too convenient. It's like, okay, yeah, it now silly. now all of them just want to go against Miles now and just the join thing in. That I don't understand about this, and you know, I'm, I'm like a storyline plot doesn't make sense kind of guy. Mm-hmm. Um. Marv Bronn has kind of shown that he's willing to kill pretty mm-hmm. easily, right? He, he's killed Duke, who's like uh, presumably one of his good friends. Mm-hmm. Um, and yet he's willing to sit there and wait while Helen just destroys all these priceless artifacts. Mm-hmm. All his friends have just a second ago said, um, you know, we're going to stay by you, Miles. We're pretending that we didn't see the napkin. So there's mm-hmm. the police aren't there. So there's no like sort of crime reason not to do it. He's got the gun. There's no difficulty reason not to do it. Mm-hmm. But why would he just stand there and allow her to destroy all his shit and then eventually like, you know, ruin his life? Or perhaps like he's scared of everybody ganging up on him because at this point he knows that he's no one's with him. Like he's no. operating. But, like, he's, he asks his friends, like, one by one, did you see the napkin? And they're like, no, I didn't see the napkin. I didn't see the-. Like, they reaffirm their loyalty. Yeah, I get that. But I think he's still insecure in the fact that they might turn against him. <laughs> see, but, like, that's the thing. that they, They've showed him off throughout the entire film as someone who is, like, kind of not aware of these kind of insecurities. Like, he... Well, there, there was that, the, the biggest turning point for that is really when they all accuse him 
of murdering and then he actually gets scared of everybody because he thinks that they're all going to murder. Remember like when he's kind of backing off and he's standing behind Benoit Blanc and he's like, protect me from these people. Yeah, but you look back and he was actually like, he had the gun at that time. He did he have the gun, but, but but they didn't know that. And and he's probably playing mental gymnastics thinking, oh, I, I might have messed up here or yeah. like my friends might so? go. Like, yeah. Because well, he's I, just murdered Duke. He's just stolen his gun. The lights go out. I know he's acting very scared, but he has all the the power at that point, right? Like, he does, yeah. I, but everybody that's acting. That's the, every everybody w- would sort of be a threat to him because he now has to protect himself, not not knowing fully that his friends are going to have his back. That's the way I took it. It's like I don't think I, he's he has full confidence that his friends are going to back him up. I mean, I think I understand what you're saying. I guess it didn't land for me. One, because they just reaffirmed their loyalty. And two, he's kind of shown to be, like, stupidly overconfident. Yeah. Like that's, they've kind of showed that throughout the film. And I have no reason to suspect that, for some reason, he would gain this kind of awareness. Well, he, he knows he knows that they all lie to each other. and he For him, though. though. For him, yeah. But they, like, he, he knows that history... And, and I don't think he's good. Like he's got this far in the film by betraying certain people. And yeah, of course they they sort of have his back. But I think he's just fully insecure at this point because he's he feels like he's alone in this whole thing. I mean, uh, I think I understand what you're saying. I mean, to me, it goes against the the character that they've established thus far, and they've gone like to painful lengths in order to establish the character as a certain type of person in my eyes. Hmm. But yeah, I mean, that's, I guess that's my view. Yeah. I just don't, I, I don't, like, at this point, I just don't think that he has any confidence in his friends at all, because he's done so much shit at this point. They know that he killed, the like, they, they know that he killed Duke. Exactly. They know that he killed Duke, and they know that he killed Andy, and they still reaffirm their loyalty. Like, yeah, I... but, but that, that just tells me that, like, his, his friends are desperate, and they'll do anything they can, but then they have the knowledge that he killed someone, and so he's kind of thinking about that like he know, they they know that he killed someone so they could be on the hit, next hit list like who knows they like that person was also loyal if not even more to bron but he killed him which makes me sort of wonder like why do they join in on the the rage because they don't well because i think at that point that's when the convenience comes in it's like oh let's just make them a part of like this is the stuff that doesn't actually make sense to me it's like yeah they just all join in so easy the thing that kind of pissed me off was that like and i think you're not supposed to like these people so you know this is probably gonna fall on deaf ears but at the end of the film when they're just sitting there and they're like you know what i saw the napkin i saw the napkin and you kind of see them all turn against him and it's only after he loses all of his power and so i think that's just kind of you're meant to show these are greedy people they're actually terrible they have Mm. not learned Blah, blah, blah. That's the part that comes full circle, but it's just it's just too convenient. Like I was saying before, it's just too easy. Yeah, and like I don't think this film, like I think it's trying to send a message of the fact that these are terrible people. You're not meant to like them, but they really should have, um, I think, been against him at the point of of her rage. Mm-hmm. And I, again, I'm making this up now. I haven't really thought about it too much. I wonder if the plot would be better if instead of like watching her be angry and then them going, yeah, you know what? Screw this guy. I'm going to be angry too. Um, yeah, I, like, if they actually got their moment of being like genuinely good people, 
because they see the lengths that he goes to in order to protect his empire. Like, maybe that's a better storyline. I don't know. Perhaps, yeah. I'm not convinced. The characters were just too paper thin, and you kind of saw that by the time we get to the end, where they were like, yeah, let's just change our minds like this, because it seems convenient enough for the plot. <laughs> yeah, like, they're just kind of inspired by this person, like, destroying stuff. The thing that really pissed me off, as well, about this scene, is that, like, you know, I really invested in Benoit Blanc as, like, this genius, right? Mm. And so the reason why I got so mad was that when um, uh, Edward Norton, Miles Bron destroys the napkin, and Benoit Blanc's like, well, I don't know what to do now. I'm just a detective. And he's like, you should do something. <laughs> and, like, I don't know if this is part of the plan. Like, it implies that he's, like, sort of giving her a hint. Mm. But I don't know if the hint is destroy stuff randomly for like nine minutes well i i actually thought that yeah (laughs) i i thought whatever he was whispering to her or and and gave her was gonna be the the clicker the way the the big finale on how he's gonna solve it but then there was nothing she she figures all of that out herself and it's through a lot of dumb luck you know what i mean like she's Mm. just like destroying shit randomly and then eventually she realizes that she can make a fire and then eventually she realizes that she can like push the button to destroy the mona lisa Mm. i I just feel like this is a film where you get a lot of the catharsis catharsis yeah catharsis in watching benoit blanc using intelligence solve Mm -hmm. the, the the problem and then you know, stick the bad guy to the wall. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, that's so cool. Uh, to see that it was kind of, it felt like lucky and stupid and it relied upon Miles's generosity of time where he just said like, you know, okay, get it out of your system. You know, <laughs> I'm not, I'm just going to stand here and watch. Like, it, it just felt like this is not a satisfying ending. No, no. There's no fulfilling ending to this whole part. Is the whole ending really came down to her smashing everything and then finally using the clear crystal thing. <laughs> oh, actually, he gives her a shard of clear. We, we, I'm reading yeah, yeah, ahead, yeah, sorry. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's, yeah. But even then, the plan just... It's just, it's kind of boring. It's just, <laughs> it's, that's all it is, really. You know what I really wish it happened, actually, in hindsight? If she threw the clear into a fireplace and then just mm-hmm. pushed the... um the Mona Lisa button. Mm. Like you just don't, I think the idea that like the entire plan hinges on the kindness of the antagonist, that to me mm. rubs me the wrong way. Yep. And didn't they say that the whole explosion was going to be similar to the Hindenburg? <laughs> it, it's not big, is it? It doesn't, it, no, it's like, I was expecting the whole Island to almost blow up. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. Uh, well, at least the whole property, but it was only the the top of the glass onion that blew up. And they were sitting safely outside of it on the staircase. In hindsight, they sit in the corner, don't they? Like, it doesn't it blow up while they're in the room or something? I can't remember. I, I'm pretty sure that it's, it's already blown up when they're sitting on the staircase. I, I can't remember. It was something like that. But I was yeah. like, didn't they make this big deal about how it's going to be like the Hindenburg? Pretty sure the Hindenburg was bigger than that. <laughs> I don't recall. I mean, I didn't see it. <laughs> I don't recall the pictures. my time. Let me see it. Let me see it. <laughs> I didn't recall, recall my time in the Hindenburg. Mm-hmm. Um, well, while you do that, right? I'm going to continue reading the last part yeah, of Act that. 3. Helen lights a bonfire and throws in a shard of clear Blanc. Uh, of clear Blanc slipped her, <laughs> causing the has 
a hazardous material to explode, destroying the mansion and the Mona Lisa. Realizing the painting's destruction will reveal that Claire is dangerous and ruin Miles. The group decides to testify against him at the beach. Helen and Blanc watch as police boats arrive. So, yeah, I mean, like, the whole thing really came down to them just pinning a a silly crime on uh, yeah. Miles, Miles Braun. And the fact that he's, you know, he's, he's responsible for creating this really dangerous thing that's destroyed arguably the most important painting in our history. You know, it's kind of silly. Like, even reading this, there's a gap in this. Like, it's not mm. it's not guaranteed that Clear caused that explosion, right? Like, <laughs> he could easily well, say yeah. it was a fire of some other description. I know, I know. Um, like, the fact that he destroyed But they're the relying on is... the testify, like, on the testimonies, I guess. They're relying on the witnesses. Yeah. The yeah. thing that I really didn't like about this film is that Andy doesn't really get her moment. Like, mm. the she dead sister... Uh, she doesn't get redemption. Doesn't, she doesn't get redemption at all. She no. gets, like, her story is she starts a business, becomes friends with, like, some shady people, gets mm-hmm. pushed out, dies, <laughs> and then the person who screwed her over presumably goes to jail. Like, for reasons that are not to do with her death. <laughs> yeah, entirely unrelated to her death. Like, she doesn't get cleared as, like, oh, you know what? Andy was actually the creator of Alpha. Like, yeah. none of that happens. Yeah, yeah um, she had no redemption. And I think it would have tied up the film to be so much better if there was a redemptive arc to her character. Yeah, like, I, I hate the trope of, like, recording the person, which the first film did. Mm. Um, first film did it well, by the way. But this felt like a fantastic recording the guy talking type of film. Mm. Like, that would have been a good ending. I don't know. Like, I, yeah. Yeah. We just Pretty... bashed this for like two hours, and I think we're going to give it like a high score, which is funny. <laughs> weak, weak, weak ending. Um, pretty shaky and clunky middle. The beginning was probably the more enjoyable part for me. Um, you just hated on it. Like, you said it took like 40 minutes. Yeah, yeah. Well, that's what I mean. Oh, sorry. No, like, the, the beginning was the more enjoyable part in the sense of like the puzzle box, really. Like, it's really what it came down to. <laughs> I think, like, to me, uh, Puzzle Box was fun. It was slow, but it was fun. Um, I, like, I still had that sense of intrigue at that start, mm. starting point. And then up until you get all that, like, exposition dumped on you, mm. it was very fun. So, like, from mm. the start from the of the murder mystery... Yeah, start of the game. Guys. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Like, all of that stuff is really cool. Really um, good. Um, and and the, rest of it's, the rest of it's just kind of trivial. It's like, yeah. It's kind of cool. Yeah. Kind of funny. I think Act 3 really fell flat for me. Because, like, you know, when I watch these kind of films, I'm just, like, hanging for Benoit to just, like, drop some knowledge at the end mm-hmm. of the film and, like, and shock everyone. Mm-hmm. Um, it was kind of funny where he kind of, like, is annoyed by how simple it is and how dumb Miles Braun is. Like, he kind of makes a comment, and like, I thought it was this really interesting web, but actually it's just dumb. This is a dumb crime, and you're dumb for doing it. Yeah. And I think... And he That's really sent that home in that. Like it, it, it's it's kind of hilarious when he says it. I'm like, I'm finding that fun, but at the same time, it is dumb. And we did just watch it. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, <laughs> where the suckers that just sat through two hours and twenty minutes of it. <laughs> exactly. Like I feel like Benoit Blanc when he's frustrated by that because I just went through that, and I don't know if that's how I want to feel at the end of a murder mystery film. That's true. That's true. Yeah. Oh well, uh, big big summary. Out of 10, Mr. Tony. 
oh man, I feel like it dragged me down, but I'm going to stay strong. Um, <laughs> look, I'm going to give it a seven. Um, yeah, right. I thought it was worse than the first one. I thought a lot of its murder mystery tropes were not very good, mm-hmm. but I thought that it was still like sort of an enjoyable, fun watch. I would never watch it again. And the performances are quite good of the ones who actually have a plot worth following. Hmm. Yeah. I'll say something similar. I think I'll give this a seven. I was going to give it a six, but I think it doesn't deserve a six. I think the the script writing is definitely not a six. It's definitely not an eight. So I feel like seven is a fair, mm. fair summary or rating for script writing. The characters are way too thin and boring for my liking because I'm just directly comparing it to Knives Out characters. Yeah. Um, so that might be an unfair comparison, but on its own, even when I think about it on its own, which is kind of hard to because you're like Knives Out's like here. I always, yeah, it, <laughs> you know, I, I kind of hard to compare. Here. And um, like even if I do my best to not be biased about that comparison, I'm still kind of like, the characters just are not that interesting. Like Janelle Monet's characters were the most interesting for me. Ben Benoit Blanc was great. I think it was good for the material that it was given. You know, I think yeah. that's a fair thing to say. Um, but the story just was too convenient. I think it was too easy to solve. Um, and everything was just too predictable for me. Um, and then there's, like like you were saying, there's characters that just didn't need to be in it. Yeah. <laughs> they had like pretty... Pretty boring motivations. Um, and then we get to the end of it, and the end of it is pretty disappointing with him not even going to jail for the right reasons. <laughs> like, we spent this whole film saying that he's the bad guy, but now we get to the end and he's going to jail for a different reason. <laughs> exactly. And you get to the end, and I feel like it'll be like, oh, disgraced alpha founder, Miles Braun. Mm. Like, yeah. Uh, that, that's where I just feel like the film's just fighting against itself. You know, it's it's trying mm-hmm. to be this really cool, uh, cathartic story, very similar to Knives Out, but it's fighting against it with the character like Miles Braun and the way his arc is, is written throughout the film. So, yeah, just meh for me, and I think I'll give it a 7. Did you say 7.5 or, did I, or just 7? I said 7. I've actually leaned towards a 6.5, to be honest, because, like, the more I think about it, like, the m- it's kind of funny. Like, I would I recommend it to someone? Like, if you wanted, like, a fun, dumb thing, then, yeah, like, it's actually enjoyable. Mm. But at the same time, it's, like, I would struggle to call it a good film. Yeah. Because its purpose, it's not a comedy, right? It's a murder mystery, and it's quite bad at mysteries related to murder. <laughs> so, like, maybe I want to give it a 6.5. I, I yeah, yeah. Yeah, because, like, it, it, it is funny, and it's fun, and it's, like, bright, and it's... I mean, you always talk about cinematography. I feel like it's cinematographied well. Uh, I think the cinematography is just fine. It, it didn't stand out to me. The colors were yeah. very, very bright and oversaturated in so many points. Um, when when the blackout scene happened, the nighttime scene, oh, sorry, the nighttime, when the lights went out, I thought the yeah. cinematography was actually quite bad in that. <laughs> oh, wow, okay. Yeah, it was just, yeah. it wasn't, like it was supposed to be dark, but it wasn't dark. <laughs> yeah, I see what you're saying. Yeah, it was just too yeah, bright. You see a lot of people. Yeah, 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 I know what you mean. And there's, there's like a lot of random lights that happened at night as well. 
um, when they're outside, there was a lot of these random lights. I don't even know where these lights are coming from. I'm like, what? Oh, yeah. You're talking about like the, the swirly lights. Yeah. Yeah. It just didn't make any sense. Like some of the. Yeah. Sometimes it makes me wonder. Like, this is like 92% of Rotten Tomatoes. Like, I just wonder what's, what's wrong with us. Too. Right? I don't like, know. What's... I want to hear other people's <laughs> opinions too, for sure. But, uh, um, I don't care that much though. <laughs> I mean, sometimes when I go so far, because, like, you know, I, I get this feeling sometimes that I'm quite negative and I'm trying not to be with the whole seven. Yeah. Um, but yeah, no, I, I wouldn't recommend, like, I wouldn't, like, right now, Guardian has given it four out of five. I am right. genuinely confused by that. Hmm. Interesting. But it's the Guardian, though. Like, what else are you supposed to say? <laughs> I love the Guardian. What do you mean? Yeah. Don't talk about my Guardian. They give great football updates. Uh, live updates. that's about it right <laughs> oh <don't> be nice. <clears throat> but anyway yeah um cool. anyway man glass onion there we go seven out of ten. Oh man thank you to the listener for making it through this far <laughs> i think we did well look it's an hour and a half we did half an hour of like just random crap yeah and generally we matched the length of the film mm, there you go and if you're stuck in this long, you know, congratulations to you, to you. I think I spoke away from the mic when I said that. Yeah, nice. <laughs> um, man, let's, uh, until until the next review, I guess. Until the next review. Yeah. Are you, when are you doing Ant-Man? Um, probably in a couple of days. Unless yeah, nice. you, you want to do Ant-Man with us. Well, when I say us, um, it's just me. <laughs> oh, you're doing it by yourself. I mean, I'll see it on Thursday, I guess. Um, mm. Don't know if you want to wait that long or you want too much in your life. I, I don't think it's going to change much having to wait just another few more days, seeing as it took this long to bring out the next one. <laughs> you get Jermaine on here. Get Jermaine. I reckon he would destroy one of these interviews, uh, one of these uh, podcasts. Is he a podcaster, though? I mean, yeah. I wasn't until you asked me to. Yeah, but, you know, there's, there's, there's talkers and then there's podcasters. Again, I wasn't doing this until you asked me to. So. <laughs> well, neither was I. You know, so. Yeah, no, but you made it yourself. Like, you're actually podcasting because you actually made it happen, whereas I'm just like mm-hmm. a guy you met on the street. Well, you just, I guess, inevitably become a podcaster when you're on it, right? Yeah, that's true. We can turn into a podcaster. But then again, I do find three, it is sometimes like I struggle to know when I can talk and when I can't talk. Because mm. I'm, I'm a bad podcaster, right? So I don't even know. Like, uh, uh, uh. Yeah. And we spent yeah. half an hour just talking about bullshit instead of the review. <laughs> Should we get rid of that or do you like that? No. Nah, I can it's stop. Fine. It's fine. Yes. It's fine. We just, you know, we're naturalists. No, mm. wait. We're not naturalists. We're just people that just like to naturally talk. And then we get into, in, into the nitty gritty. We're easily distracted. We're like, I don't know what's the plan. Kittens with a laser pointer. Dogs chasing cars. Yeah, that's a better one. Mm-hmm. That's way better than what I said. That is way better. All right, so listener, if it's your first time here, thank you so much for hanging in there and listening to us ramble on about life and especially films because we love films, we love TV series, and um, we're going to bring you the next review, which is going to be Ant Man Quantumania. It's going to be a little bit late, but sounds like Tony wants to be in on it after we watch it on Thursday. I'm going to be seeing it for a second time on Thursday. I've already seen it, I saw it last week, um, and I'm excited to actually talk about it. 
Um, oh, nice. I'm yeah. good. Okay, cool. Well, I, you know, it's. I it's, wasn't it's, expecting it's, much. No, it, it's good for other reasons, and I'll explain that in the review. So. Oh, damn it. How long is bad? <laughs> it's bad. It's, no, it's not. It's good. It's a good time. Um, thanks so much for jumping on, man. Appreciate you. Cool. No, I appreciate the chance to become a podcaster. <laughs> if you want to become a podcaster, hit us up on Instagram. Like, comment, follow, send me a DM, and we'll take it from there. Uh, goodbye, Tony. Hey, bye-bye. <laughs> bye-bye, listener. Thank you so much. Bye-bye.